Hello, and welcome to 10 Very Big Books, a Malazan read-through podcast. I'm India. I've not read, but I've almost read every book in the main series. And with me here, with my final introduction today, is Peter Bond. That's right. Almost, baby. So close. So close. Last couple miles. Here we go. Love Peter so much. Sweet, sweet angel. Moving on to my other favorite, AJ Valeri. That's me, baby. Hello. And last, but certainly not least in my heart, Josh Baker. Hello. Really <laughs> subdued responses today. I like this. I think that we're all just kind of feeling all the feelings because, of course... Mm-hmm. We are, we are rounding out the end. Ugh, I don't even know how to feel, guys. I want to kind of start us off by asking you a quick question. And that is, what was your favorite part of doing this podcast? I'll throw it to you first, Peter. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, kind of feels like, honestly, I kind of imagine we're going to have some podcast retrospective feelings at, after we wrap up the read through. Totally. Oh, we for um, sure will. But this is my sure. episode, my way. Okay. Um, I will just, so many things, but I'll try to keep it book focused one thing i have um i've spoken about it uh rereading the books i would say totally different experience than reading it the first time so um that's one thing that i got out of the podcast but there are many i just wanted to keep it a little malazan focused for me great love that i think that's um you have such a unique perspective i forgot that you read this i don't know why india you have such a unique perspective stop you haven't no you have a unique perspective (laughs) Um, India, what's something you got out of the show? I say it all the time. My favorite, favorite thing about the show is the community that we have like made together. Um, Mm -hmm. I love you guys so much. And I think that it's just been really rewarding to spend a lot of time with your friends and coming together to discuss um, a really painful book. Painful as in like really long or like? Painful in every sense of the word. Uh, in literally every sense of the word, I want to kick it over then to Josh. That's easy. For me, it's the fame. You know? Sure. Um, <laughs> the Patreon goes 100% into Josh's pocket. So he's. Yeah. And the feedback goes directly to my head. So, yeah. you know, keep it coming. Love it. Okay. AJ? What about you? Uh, I, th- I I I agree with you, Indy. I think the community we've built is, is really nice. It's kind of the first time that I've. Um, you know, I've been part of communities before, but I've never been like a one to to have grown a community. And I think that's a fun feeling and feels really nice. Uh, but also, I think it's cool that I got to become friends with Pete's two cool friends from college uh, that I had only met once or twice mm-hmm. and now have spent hours and hours and hours and hours talking to. Uh, yeah, a comically long time. <laughs> a comically long time. Who else did you meet? You and oh, oh what? what do you mean? <laughs> a joke (laughs) (laughs) guys uh i think that's enough um pre-banter i do just want to say also that i watched um barbarian oh yeah okay sure and then after barbarian i saw that the mother was actually like this really tall guy and then i watched them put all of the makeup the makeup and like prosthetics (laughs) on and it (laughs) was awesome i love watching time-lapse prosthetic videos they're wild so good. like there's a moment where it is just like a person caked in like glue and makeup yeah. and then all of a sudden it's something else like it's really in, like, upsetting a second. Me, like to think about being that person sometimes but 
All right, yeah. throwback. Yeah, b- throwback to cable television. There used okay. to be some like competitive show where it was like who's going to be the best. Pro- pros, yeah, I, like, I think it was aesthetic person. I think pretty it was sure called Netflix. I think it was called Face Off. I know the movie is called Face Off, but I'm pretty sure the show I, is also called Face Off. I don't know. All I know is I loved that show um, and loved seeing how people do that type of behind the scenes work. And mm-hmm. also shout out to Barbarian. Love the movie. Yeah, it was called Face Off. And also I do also love Barbarian. Yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah, it was pretty good. I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. But I feel like it's really hard to be like, oh, my God, I loved that scary movie. Well, totally yeah, it's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty postmodern film. It's very, it's very um, postmodern. I mean that legitimately. That. I mean that like for real. <laughs> not, yeah, it's very not much a gag. so, AJ. Very postmodern. Yeah. So postmodern. <laughs> it's so um, postmodern. And now that if, I've been if, on this if, podcast, if, I know what that means. Yeah, yeah. If it's really being, in a conversation like, with itself. It's, it's, yeah. yes. it's kind of in a conversation with the horror genre. With the genre, AJ. right? And um, and I think yeah. even the casting of Alexander Skarsgård. Oh, sure. As just um, the dude in the beginning, you know, classic. Everybody thinks Bill, he's it. He Bill Bill Skarsgård. Sorry, I've been watching a lot of Succession, which is the other one. <laughs> isn't Justin Long in this flick? He is. Yes, he yeah. is. I loved Accepted. I watched that movie. Really, a formative <laughs> movie for your boy. Yeah. All right, is that going to be on the Patreon? I must have watched that movie dozens oh, of times. Because it's a Comedy shit. Central one. You know, it's always it's on the set. Classic cable TV movie. Yeah. Oh not, even a, not even a movie I like. No. Do you know oh, what I mean? You, you don't love Ask Me About My Wiener? No. Uh, what, you didn't like that the 20 times that you saw it on the commercial and then you saw it in the movie and it was the exact same joke? <laughs> Two thumbs down. Um, oh, we got to talk about Malzahn. Ton of stuff to get to yeah. today. All right. And in. Chapter 17. But all reflects on the bone hunters and the snakes meeting with them. How the bone hunters took them in and gave them water, seeing Tavor almost as a mother. Two days have passed since their meeting, and the thirst has taken its toll on the army. Fiddler wanders amongst the snake, thinking about the children and the bones. Banishar speaks with Tavor about tar and defending the stores of water. Hedge discusses strategy and that Bavedic has turned some of the animals into undead. Sinter watches how the soldiers mourn children from the snake who die and reflects on their loss. Hellion speaks about why she hates spiders. Urgal speaks about the House of Chains. Ruth and Gud speaks about his past, Otaderol, and Ben Adafin Delet. Bottle speaks with Namkala about life, meaning, and seeing civilizations come and go. But all speaks with Tavor about the gods, the gift of wisdom, and in the end, she goes to play with the other children. Ruth and Good watches and speaks about Tavor 
and the Talani Mass. So, obviously, we have to start, as we do all the time, with these children. But now... We've met the Bone Hunters, like, all together, and here we are. Mm. Everybody's crossing paths, and it always happens this way. Finally. Right. We're all coming to that convergence of energy, and who knows what's going to come out of it. How did you... F- what was your thoughts? Mm, who do I want to go to? Who likes the snake? Who's on? Who's feeling snaky? I've always uh, kind of said Peter has a lot of snake-like attributes. <laughs> Peter's a, oh, wow. Peter's a snake head. Peter just did a little snake move. Um, all right, then I'll, I'll I'll throw it over to you, Peter. What were your thoughts like about seeing the bone hunters, these soldiers engaging with children that they found? And particularly Blistig's kind of like, I guess he was just kind of like being an asshole. Oh, yeah. And Tavor was not having it. And you see a little bit of like Tavor's kind of like protective instincts kind of what were your thoughts on that i think it's all really moving i find it moving i love when it gets described as um like them having claws or something and like kind of referencing badal's earlier speech about history having claws and i just kind of love the you know the dreamy imagery around it and more importantly i just think it's so fitting and it's kind of putting a putting a pin or like drawing attention to the way that if we are to be thinking about and reflecting on like a call to help people or a call to help like face like injustice in a way or people who need help or suffering that like in it's like kind of represented here in its most like potent form by children refugees you know and um like a willingness to embrace them even if the bone hunters like have to kind of make this sacrifice in that way not in ron DeSantis' is florida uh, say that. Oh, getting political. Ooh, not oh. me. <laughs> yeah, so I, I like this section. Um, yeah, some of the some of the Badal stuff um, later is also really cool. Um, but withheld and all that. But I actually think that's maybe in chapter twenty or something. So um, yeah, it's it's like um, it's cool to see these plot lines converge. Agreed. Um, how did you like? I just don't understand Hmm. how they're in this position though to not have water so much so that they're drinking pee that's well no one i don't think anyone knew how big this desert was it's like unmapped no one's ever tried to do it slash anyone that has has died so do they not have cars here now when you cars is an interesting (laughs) noun they do not have car they have like a horse and cart is probably the closest to a car we get Follow-up question, AJ. Do they have cars, the Pixar movie, starring Owen Wilson? Well, that's a... Yeah, that crosses realities. That transcends... Well, I don't think it's... That movie couldn't be out if there was no cars to be based on, you know? (laughs) No, see, it's purely fictional in this world, Josh. (laughs) It's a hypothetical. It's a work of of speculative fiction. So not only is it if if cars could talk, it's if cars could... If cars. If cars were. Yes. If cars were, they would talk. So that's it's not like a, it's, okay. you know, that's just that's just an assumption because all horses, you know, horses have faces and stuff. So cars must also. By that argument, though, AJ, carts don't have faces, though. Well, those that's okay. a cart, Josh. OK, but you just said so a horse is closer to a car than a cart is. Yes. <laughs> oh, no. Josh, when a when a car goes fast, they say it has what power? 
Horse power. Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> you got me. I'm going to go. Well, don't go just yet because I have a question for you. Okay. <laughs> um, so, Hedge and I. Bevedict? Be- yeah. Let's talk about these, these drugged horses. Undead horses? Mm. Drugged undead, horses? Yeah. I guess undead horses and undead oxen. Yeah. Um, oxen. I got to be honest. I'm a little. I just don't know how they had this alchemist chilling for so long, being apparently the world's greatest alchemist, you know, considering he's able to, you know, beat death and make bombs. So, like, what was he doing before he met Hedge? Just keeping a low profile. I do think it's, you know, I do think it's cool when he's like, when you get a little more insight into like alchemy and how that operates. That's a fun. And yeah, it is definitely something. Um. I don't know, India. I guess it's kind of cool, but I definitely understand why the control are upset because, like, their horse—you know—their horses are like so precious to them. Yeah. What mm-hmm. are they like? Why did they do that? Well, because the control are cavalry people, and without their horses, like, what are they even doing? And so, I guess strategically, they're like, "Well, if we're ever gonna fight, we need to have these horses. So, may as well keep them, keep them moving." Mm-hmm. I don't know. Are they dead or are they alive? Well, they're undead. So, yes to both. Okay. See. <laughs> <laughs> they have they have died but yes. through the use of special i guess chemicals alchemy. and stuff yeah yep. alchemy and is it the question you know are they mindless undead has he just sort of kept the muscles moving but the brain and soul are gone unclear do horses have souls definitively yes in malazan josh De- horses definitively have souls. yes according okay. to malazan but you know is it still in that body unclear <laughs> see will we get wow, a horse pov 50 50 I was asking because I couldn't tell if he had put the horses into like a K-hole situation or if they were actually dead. Okay. Um, no, I would say closer to dead than K-hole. Different um, horse tranquilizer. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is really fucking good, AJ. Yeah, thank you. Do you know what's great about these books is if I came out and was like, actually, yeah, Josh, there's actually in the end, there's a 50 page POV from a horse. Yeah, I'd be like, that's so, so yeah. Steve. Classic. What is what if it, what it, you know, I, I would be like, oh, here he goes again. That rascal. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah 100 percent. One more question and then I want to leave these um, dumb snake children behind. But Jesus. Got bad news. They they are here for the long haul, I believe. Yeah, clearly. They're survivors, even though they like there's so many of them. They will die, but they just keep coming back. Now, Indy, I have a question for you, actually. No, no. Were when this chapter began and we finally were like, oh, we did it. Were you like, thank God we put these two storylines together? Or were you more of, I wish they had just fucking died? It, you know, I well, we don't need as many people. You can't ask me that because I'm gonna get shit on for my answer. So, so you wish they were so you dead. wish they were dead. <laughs> I don't wish that they were. Maybe, maybe I wish that they just they just found a family to take care of them. Well, didn't they? An eternal family. Well, um, those people are all dead. <laughs> Unfortunately, no. Um, I no. I do think that I think it was an interesting choice to have the children find like the soldiers. I think that it's going to bring a level of like. I think it has brought like a level of like. Hum, hum, not humility because i think that they are very like maybe maybe the word is compassion um mm-hmm. to like their mindsets i think they were all getting a little uh dejected and jaded and just kind yeah. of over everyone dying all the time but now it's mm. like oh shit children are dying and this is sad and fucked up 
Like, mm-hmm. and that was my last question is when Kissware, one of the children, some child dies and they all put their little things and make a little mound and they're like, oh, so sad. She says, um, the children bring d- dignity. And yeah. I thought that was, um, I don't know. I thought that was like cute and true. And I kind of like, yes, I said, I, I, I wish that the children just, you know, weren't there. But I do think that they bring an interesting um, component to the soldiers and the story. And I was wondering what you guys, like how you guys took that um, show of like, I guess, compassion when they all really felt something when the children are just kind of dying in droves behind them. Yeah, I mean, I think you bring up a good point of it being like the 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 children just kind of sh- or the snake showing up has given them something that they can save right now. Like they can make a difference in this moment, whereas, you know, they've been walking through these wastelands for however long it's been and like the only thing that's happened is that conditions have gotten worse they haven't changed anything they haven't really like they're technically working toward getting to Kalance, but it's like you can't that doesn't pay off until you arrive you know and so like these kids just showing up and them being able to like take them in and and you know even though they're they're low or don't have any water whatever at this point they're able to, to save you know some of these kids uh I think it I, I, I think it in introduces a bit of um, I don't know. It's it's like you said, it introduces compassion, but it's also like they they are they have something that they haven't been able to have in a long time just by the snake kind of showing up. And I don't know. I don't want to imply that, like, that's all the snake is good for is like showing up and giving the bone hunters something to like do, um, because I think they they have they serve their own purpose. But I, I think in this moment um, and in this situation, it's kind of like if the snake didn't show up maybe stuff would have gone even worse than it does later on, you know? Yeah, agree. Quick little aside for Peter, just because Hellion is funny. Um, I understand why this happens. Steve does this all the time. Like, let's do something really, really fucking sad, and then let's throw Hellion or that other dumb mm-hmm. guy in there to make it funny. Um, Vanishar. Yeah, but also, no. the Ublala? U- yes! Mm. Uh, yes. Sure. Ublala. So, yes, and also Vanishar, but... um. That was actually, there's really nothing to say there. Let's move on. Okay, here's, I do just want to touch in on this, to put it in on this final point. I think it's like this section and some of this snake stuff links back to that like quote about how, um, from book two, about like uh, how children are dying and like the history of humanity. Was that book two? Those words. Yeah, that's book two. Fuck. And I think you can see here that it's like, um, if you're talking about history repeating itself in a sense, like the bone hunters are acting to like save children mm-hmm. and like to make an effort to take care of them mm-hmm. and be kind of caretakers to people in need, especially children, and how that is like a kind of a transformative and beautiful act. And um, but um, I guess not in Ron DeSantis's uh, Florida. Jesus am I right? Christ. You were making such how- a cool good point. <laughs> Getting a little political on the podcast. This podcast was recorded May fifteenth, twenty twenty three. We did uh, not know at the time that our overlord Ron DeSantis was the right answer yes. to all problems. Right. <laughs> Literally, I'm in prison I, now. <laughs> yeah. I, actually, I actually love Ron. Thanks. Sorry, I had to clear it up for the NSA. Yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Good people all uh, around. Um, moving on. I do. Sorry. I just just to just to to, to final. I do um, think Kissware's point after the they the talking about the children bringing dignity, uh, saying that uh, what is it? 
we stopped being an army long ago. Uh, I don't know what we are now. I don't think there's a person in this world who'd be able to give us a name. It's a good line. That's a good. Such a great part. It's good. And I think that also is like speaks to Pete's point as well of like, you know, children are dying is kind of a thesis of wars and stuff. And now that the bone hunters are able to like save children, it's like, oh, you know, that's another way that they're not like <laughs> not like other armies, you know, they're breaking um, the mold. They're breaking the mold. Yeah. So and it's just a just no, a, it's it's such an interesting thing as you get further into it, especially with the role of Tavor in it and like the kind of egalitarian nature of this where we could really spin out. But like, like, what is the bone hunters and what have they become? Really fascinating stuff. Babysitters. Mm. Babysitters club. Um, we're not a regular army. We're a compassionate army. <laughs> um, yes. They, fe- they feel. Yeah. And they feel big and they feel a lot. Let's talk about. Let's get damn well into it. The Unbound. Yeah, baby. Now, I, I'm i going to send this, I think, first, because, Peter, you look very, like, excited, but I don't know if there's just things that you can't... You know what? Peter, tell me about it. How was the second read-through of this? Did you understand it anymore? Was it... Tell me. Faces in the Rock. That's the title House of one of the books. of Chains. That's all I got to say, baby. What's up? The Unbound, they're here. Yeah. Now, can somebody explain to me, are they just like the typical bad guy that's like, we love the the evil one and we came out of prison, Azkaban, you know? I have no idea what that was supposed to convey, India. Are they yeah. like Death Eaters, if you will? Ah, I see. No. I would not describe them that way. Well, aren't you in for a treat? Someone <laughs> describe them to me. I think here they're kind of speaking about their relationship to the House of Chains and their participation in it. And it's kind of this greater examination that's happening in this book about like what is the House of Chains and what are various players who have the relationship to it? What is that relationship like and um, what does it mean to them? You know, and, and especially around the crippled God. So I would say that was really um, well put and because reading it was really See, it said it, the concept sounded cool, but when I had to read it, it was a little boring. Mm. Um, um, shocking, shocking, hot, hot, hot take from me. Anyway, so we get a little bit more of like of uh, Tavor's nothing, never in her head, but like around what she's doing, mm. and somebody. Well, I think it was Ruth, yeah, Ruth and Good's perspective of Tavor, um, mm. and I don't know. I felt like I just really want a pov when she's just walking around (laughs) doing her own thing like Mm. and people are just like oh i wonder what she's doing over there um it kills me (laughs) but moving on to i think lestari lestar is a good place to go i do want to i do want to touch on touch in with the ruth and good stuff um this like speaking of his a lot there yeah um, I mean, there's something very specific that I do want to talk about, but also I think generally, um, I always like being in Ruth and Good's head. I feel like of all the, all of the like ancient people who have been around forever, I think Ruth and Good's POV is always the easiest to understand because he still seems like he's just a guy, um, mm-hmm. in, in, in like spirit <laughs> instead of like this ancient being who like has ruminated on things for a thousand years. I guess he kept himself busy, like being in the army forever, but he's, he's like, 
thinking about Tavor and thinking of like forbidden deadly places and saying that like sometimes it's not stories sometimes those places actually exist and it seems like we're in one um and so it's like for for me to see Ruth and Good have these thoughts of like well this is fucking it is really uh upsetting in a way uh because if he who has seen you know assumedly so much you know life and strife etc for mm-hmm. him to be like well this is it it's like oh fuck maybe this actually really is it yeah and then uh skipping ahead to the end of this section when <laughs> i think it's a bottle brings up quick ben and ruth and good uh <laughs> freaks out about it no uh, it's not bottle i think it's um is it not bottle Who is, I think it? it's, is it tavor i think it's tavor bottles, is it bottle bottles in that scene yeah. bottle is in the scene yeah that's why i just assumed it was bottle i don't think so because bottles there because they tell us there they tell bottle that he doesn't have any more threads attached to him and i does is that what prompts the i don't think it is i thought it was like tavor or something oh yeah yeah it's tavor he said my yeah. sword would not be enough we argued again and again he said yeah, he said it. it will be answered his words the same as yours. And then Ruth and Good said, who are you talking about? And she says, Ben Adafan Delat. And he says that name. Yeah, uh, just really good. He he calls him a cheater. He, or he, he says that quick Ben cheats, yeah. um, which is That's like the best thing about him or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So and then uh, Tavor tells Ruth and if if she falls to uh, take up her sword. But anyway, I, yeah. I like I like those that, that part. I like that, that whole part is good. I feel like that line about cheating is a real fist pumping line for me. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's a very cool line. <laughs> the thing about yeah. Adafan Delat's game is this. He cheats. Yeah, it's a really good like yeah. that's a cut to black move on to the next scene moment. You know? Oh yeah. Or like cut to the opening credits something like that. Are we going to talk about Hellion going full Joker mode? <laughs> um, with the origin story of oh, her. Oh yeah, it's so goofy. I mean we could talk Disgust about it. Disgust yeah. for spiders. We kinda, we... I just love that scene. I find it so fun. Mm. So I think it's so fun when she talks about spiders bursting out of a guy's face. I love that. Okay. Obviously, it's a little grim and a little <laughs> grossy, but like, also, why are you coming for spiders like this, AJ? It's just a fun little Hellion scene. Look, I, I don't have anything against spiders, mostly. Hellion had some good, good, good scenes back in her day, back in, in books ago, but now <laughs> Hellion, we've, we've moved beyond her. Yeah, Hellion's no longer a character. She is just a comedy bit a caricature yeah nice i think it's always fun to remember that um in the beginning of book four is it six is it six i don't remember that's when she's introduced yeah that's what you mean yes that is what i mean uh and it's a a temple of to direct it's in the prologue of that book yes and banishar is also connected to direct i just think that's a fun thing to keep in mind (laughs) i guess not for any reason just yeah because banishar is there Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They get okay, introduced yeah, yeah, together. Yeah. yeah. So I think like I don't know, that kind of we can get to the end with um Ruth and Good and Tavor and that conversation they had. Um but I don't really think yeah. I don't know. It was a good con it was it was a deep, serious what conversation about life and murder and I thought it was I don't know, this chapter to me seemed was pretty pretty heavy i think with all of like mm. the, the sad dead children stuff um it was yeah. a brutal brutal chapter definitely and it just didn't let up which i kind of was like it was a hard chapter to read for me but 
I really liked it. I thought it was a pretty good. Um, I was excited that this was the starting chapter. A, it wasn't that long. B, I really enjoyed the the content. I think for once, I actually um, did enjoy the snake and how they how they're convert how they're coming together with um, you know the bone hunters. And I think that it's going to be an interesting journey. Wink, wink. Any closing thoughts before we move on to chapter eighteen? Let's move it on. Do we? Uh, let's thank our the people that back to us on Patreon. Yeah. yeah. This week, we'd really like to give a special thank you to our one Patreon subscriber since our last episode, and it means so much to us. So to you, Mike, thank you. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Mike. We appreciate it, and thank you to all of our patrons over on our Patreon. Uh, for $3, you can get access to just a whole bunch of audio stuff, a couple of videos, uh, and some things that are upcoming as well. But thank you again, Mike, for backing us since we last recorded. Mike. All right, let's move on. Let's move on. Chapter 18. Quick Ben and Manala free Kalam from the Azath House. Afterwards, Shadowthrone speaks with the soldier Temper about their return. Sister Belle of the Forkrell Assail parlays with Perrin. They speak of Kalance, hunting, and the battle to come. Ganos introduces himself as the master of the deck, then disappears. He tells Noto Boyle to prepare for an assault. Picker hears from Blue Pearl an order from Whiskey Jack. Treach has a need for her and is wearing the torques again. She must leave the city. Shirk speaks with Hood about death and those who have escaped his realm. They also speak of Tavor and the death of Felicin. Flash speaks about the parish but is called up by Shirk. A Forkrell Assail ship is approaching them. They are threatened by the forces, but the handmaidens defend the ship and kill the Forkrell Assail. Draconis leaves Ubala to his destiny. Brother Diligence speaks with reverence about the state of the Forkrell Assail forces and the parish joining them. Garul saves Krugava and thinks about the coming clash of Elder Powers. Abrasto and Spax discuss the Bargask and how they have changed over time. They also discuss Tool and what he will do. Faint and Precious Thimble move towards the Kachain Chamal and discuss the Forkel Assail and their god, their war with the Kachain Chamal, and the Malazan's relationship to the Kachain. Tanakalian speaks to his soldiers about the coming battle and being worthy. Setok arrives, declaring that Tanakalian is unworthy. But the Wolves of Winter declare there to be only enemies around them, and they tear apart Setok. Gruntle and Kalava fight. The first dragon comes through the gate and Gruntle tries to stop it, but so many keep coming through, and Gruntle is deeply wounded. He thinks on Trake, his flaws, and then his final thought is of stoning. Gruntle dies. Kalava thinks about this death, respecting Gruntle, and wondering if she did the right thing. 
actually like a lot of shit to unpack there. So let's start with Quickbed and Manala were able to um, get Colam out of the Azath house. Mm. I figured that that seemed pretty unfair, but I wasn't mad at it. What um, do you mean it, it seemed unfair? Because like, I thought you weren't allowed to leave the Azath house. Well, okay, yeah. But the thing about uh, Edifan Delat, he cheats. Oh, shit. One thing about him, he's a cheater. Yeah, he's a cheater. Wednesdays on FX. Nice. I just want to I just want to quick hop in and apologize for any like rumbling sounds. My dog is going so hard on a chew toy right now. Um, So I apologize if that gets picked up. And if it doesn't, this will be cut out. So listen, I know Kalam's back, but I wanted to shout out the temper cameo shout out to temper round so two baby I, so did we know temper was the guardian of the azath house um i love temper that's all i gotta <laughs> say shout out to the esselmont girlies you know and oh, so I temper see. was a bridge burner who gave up bridge burning to be the guardian of the azath house why don't you check out a little book called night of knives joshua do i like should i not I was going to Google it. Should I not Google it? You can Google it. He is one of the, he's a primary character in that book. He's a we, huge, we, he's a recurring Esselmont character. We also get a, a Stormwielder drop at one point in one of these chapters. I heard, I heard that and I was like, hey, that's a book. That is a book. Do you mean Stonewielder? Stonewielder. That's what I meant. <laughs> anyway, enough of this. Um, yes, he's back. Kalam. Kalam is back. Um, I don't remember Temper, so that's interesting. I think he has a cameo in book six, too. He's a guy. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, he's a, he's a guy. I do want to say now that we've officially seen Kalam, hashtag free Kalam from be, be, we've seen him. Be, I got lost in the bit. We've seen him be freed from the Azath. That does now bring into question who is the other person who was alongside uh, who we assumed was Absalar, I think, um, like two books. Oh, yeah, ago. we did. But it was Manala. Oh, it's gotta have been Manala. Like here she yeah. is, you know. Sent- yeah. yeah. Crazy. Who here forgot Kalam was married? Me, I did. Hundred percent. But Josh, his one thousand children who they sent to war or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, some yeah. somewhere in the midst of the I don't know mountains of dead children in this series, I forgot <laughs> about these ones. Children are dying. You know. Yeah. Children well, are dying. Those ones died too, didn't they? Send them to war and they all died. <laughs> yeah, they were defending the throne of shadow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then Shadow Throne comes back. Mm. He and Temper are, you know, just having a little moment. My question is, I obviously hate any time that these elder or gods, well, I don't even know what, what they are at this point, but Temper is obviously, like, I guess, a really old. Is Temper dead? That's what I was just asking. And Peter refused to answer. And if Peter answers now, then that's some bullshit. Um, there's, uh, oh, no, never mind. I that's, think, that's about Shadow I Throne. think Temper sounds like the Guardian of the Azath house, and I straight up asked if Peter wouldn't say anything. Oh. I really loved Shadow Throne in Yeah, this see, okay, there it is. <laughs> Shadow Throne was very good in this scene, I will agree. The, the, I just love the cane. The cane's a great little prop, you know? <laughs> I, guys, what's the over-under on Peter having a cane at the time they're old? Oh. Mm. I, I mean, I think it's 85% that Peter... Becomes a cane, cane. an yeah. old cane Fashion person, cane. yeah, sure. <laughs> and then the question is just like, is it like a subtle diamond on top or like a really big snake head? I think it's got to be some sort of like dragon or something. Okay, I think a dragon's too over the top. On? Maybe it, it's a picture it would of never your be face, a wolf. Josh. 
Maybe it's your head. I love that. I'd sit for that portrait right now. All right. So <laughs> moving on to the next scene, which I thought was actually really interesting because, mm. well, the dark academia for Gorilla Sale that are also just like these terrifying creatures. I hate their names. They piss me off. Um, this book, like this um, like book that we're reading now, these chapters, really, the names just infuriate me. And I don't know yeah. why, but the parlay with Perrin, mm. Sister Bell was a little, I would say. It's, it's, sorry, just to, I just want to clarify. Pete wrote Bell in the, in the summary, but it's belay, uh, oh. as in to give false representation to or misrepresent. Mm, that makes thank sense. You. Thank you. <laughs> oh. I'm, I feel so dumb. Thank you, AJ. That's awesome. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> so sister misrepresent is in is the house talking to Ganos. Yes, so true. Belay. Duh. Um, and Perrin were chatting. She was a little cocky, I would say, and I think that she definitely maybe um underestimated our boy. Uh huh. Our boy with the, with the tummy problems. No more tummy problems. He has come to play. And mm-hmm. he's not playing games anymore, actually. So, forgot about the tummy troubles. I can't forget. India hasn't. He's badass in this scene. It's great. He yeah, is incredible. Let, now, I'm going to hit this one over, too, with like a, like a volleyball toss, actually, mm. to Josh. Tell me everything that you... Tell me all of your thoughts on this scene. What'd you like about it? I mean... I just am glad that we have not forgotten about Perrin because I was a little worried last episode that we weren't going to ever hear from his storyline again. Also really like that. Is this the scene where they're like, okay, guys, can you, if you haven't caught on, watered means they're watered down. They're less powerful. And then below the water, I think that's this scene where like someone does do that. And I was like, I was like, you know, that is like a thing that people constantly like, hype steve up about is that steve does not do that and honestly i felt a little insulted i was like steve it's book 10 we're seven books into book 10 come on trust your reader steven (laughs) i will just say i feel like that's a little overhyped sometimes i feel like there's lots of explanations in the books you know just my official opinion there definitely are yeah, I think I think the After book gets the a book bad once. rap from Gardens of the Moon. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, throw, yeah, for sure. Because as much as it does give you explanation for things, even in Gardens of the Moon, it sure does also throw a lot of stuff at you. Um, anyway, but really, really cool scene. Uh, love that Perrin is finally like learning how to use his fucking deck of dragons powers. That's pretty cool. Maybe wish there was a bit more clarity about those powers and how he finally got them working so well. But, you know, I'll take what I can get at this point. Um, you know, for all I know, Perrin's storyline picks up in an Esselmont book, you know, and how mm. funny would that be? Uh, I guess we'll find out one day. Um, I, I do think it's fun that he just disappears, does a side quest and comes back five levels strong. So <laughs> powerful. Yeah. And then, I mean, who doesn't love Noto Boyle? Our fave. Of course. Um, I also love that, like, Perrin's whole strategy is just, like, be so fucking confident that they think they're yeah. going to need to wait and get more power. Yeah. Um, and I have no idea what their strategy is for when they actually bring all these, you know, those legions. So, yeah. other than maybe Perrin's, maybe Perrin, maybe Ganoes Perrin is the Perrin being sacrificed. Maybe he's trying to draw the legions there so that his sister has an easier time to get into clans. Who knows? Mm. But cool stuff. I also just like the whole classic, classic Malazan. The whole section about the King of Kalan stuff is like a fun metaphor. And just oh, like a fun, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Kind of, I don't know. I love that. I'm on that type of stuff I'm into. So, yeah. 
Um, I do like when he's talking to Noto Boyle and he's like, oh, where's Ormolgan? Uh, I need him to make me an etching. Uh, I, I love that he's here. We're here with the Oh, frog. they did say yeah. that. So does that mean, okay, well then logically then I guess like he, if he draws something, can he, is that how he disappears into it? Oh, right. Yeah. He can just make a new car. I mean, that's really cool. Yeah. Well, I love that he drew the card and then was like, and then when Sister Belai looked into it, he was like, come on in. Yeah. It's a cool place to hang out. And then immediately is like, no, you're too smart for that. I get it. Okay. Like, I love that he doesn't even like give a second for her to like think about it. He's yeah, like, come yeah, in. Yeah. Never mind. <laughs> uh, it's good stuff and it's cool. And I like it. Yeah. I, I like, I think he definitely, it, it, this is just, this is just a very different pairing than I think. Mm-hmm. Like he, I, and it's just been a really interesting um, character development for him. Um, and it, I, in that way, I appreciate having read these books for the last 15 years. Um, but just the way he even engages with her and like mocks her when she talks yeah. to him, especially her being such like a she thinks that this is like nothing, that he's an idiot and that he's so foolish. And he's just like, oh, you mm-hmm. just wait. You have <laughs> no idea. I loved it. Um, I thought it was great. Um, which is great. It's like how all, every four girl of sale starts every conversation with like, you dumb idiot. You <laughs> fucking worm. <laughs> your, your disease is arrogance. And now it's my job to make sure you, and they're also dumb. Um, and India, to your point, I love the name of the four girl of sale because it's just like so funny and fun to me. Yeah. But I do agree. It is deeply confusing to keep track of them. Oh, and if yeah. you were like, oh, which one's which and who's who? I it's like, okay, wait. So calms this one. I got, you know, it is it doesn't help in keeping them clear in my mind as characters, but I do love that idea as a part of those like and, and conceptually, I guess. Yeah, mm-hmm. you always know who they are as a group. Just individually, it's like I, I couldn't tell you. Sure. Yeah. But yeah. So I don't know where to go next. Do we go a little picker? We see picker. Long time no. no see for picker. That was a wild detour for this chat. I mean, we're really just bringing everyone back. Oh, did you have a storyline on another continent? Nah, <laughs> got to get over here. Yeah, it's 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 definitely like a lot of random small scenes that I think could be talked about, but also there's just like not much to say. It's like a a sentence well, conversation here or there. Did. Um, did anybody else in the picker scene, they talk about the pickled Segula warriors. Did anybody else read that and go, oh, the Segula, weird that you brought them up. And then, you know, <laughs> two scenes from now felt pretty, ha- pretty hype. I did. I loved it. <laughs> that Speaking of, I was going to ask how you guys felt about that whole scene on the ship. Very fun stuff. I put, I started kind of putting the pieces together because I was like, well, we only know of so many fierce warrior tribes. Mm. And clearly it's not actual magic that's making her powerful. She's just fucking badass. Mm. Although shocked that they, you know, I mean, canonically, they don't take the masks off. Felt kind of hand wavy to be like, it took so much convincing for them to lose the masks as like our hint that they're Segula. But like in uh, every other one has been like only on pain of literal death would I take this off. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess you they were just very persuasive, you know, apparently so. There was a good scene with Shirk, and the only reason I appreciated it is because they brought up my girl Felicin. Mm. Mm. Oh yeah, it was a crazy. Uh, it was really interesting. It was it was disturbing when I I believe it was like 
I think that the the overall thing is just like Felsen saw her sister killing her and her and, and Shirk was like, I wonder if this is she's only doing this because she killed her sister and she's just like on a redemption tour. And then it's like, <laughs> what oh, did you wait. think of that, India? I said, well, no, Shirk, unfortunately, she doesn't even know. So she can't even feel bad about it and then shirk has the same thought and then what really pissed me off was when hood was like yeah and it doesn't matter i was like oh okay it doesn't matter she'll never know well it's like you know if she found out like what good does that do you know that's that's always been my stance on it she already thinks felison was dead so like why does she need to know that she killed her because she already thinks that she killed her by sending her to the the mines you know isn't that punishment enough this doesn't feel like it, but <laughs> let's talk about this handmaiden. <laughs> She's just a little scrappy, you know, <clears throat> and I don't remember if we ever found out who or what she is. Yeah, right. so, so that's weird. what we were talking about with Peter and I about the Segula. So that the handmaiden is one of the Segula. She is the Segula. Yes. That's what I oh, OK. I missed that also. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what that's what they're saying. Like. Oh, they showed up and there were seven of them, but one died, but they don't talk about that. And then they, maybe there are 12 of them or something. And then the last sentence is such a hard time convincing them to take the masks off. Uh, and well, I think that's what, that's what I was saying. They they mentioned the pickled Segula because it's been like, I don't know, two books since we thought about those people. So mm-hmm. this way you, you don't forget about the masked warriors. Is the Segula in book eight unmasked? They are, aren't they, right? There's like weird ones working for... Um, spite or envy yeah um, aren't they unmasked i they had knuckles not knuckles what's their fucking names i forgot their names I they think, all have names i don't know yeah i think they um, were unmasked josh i think you're right um you, there's all <laughs> you should really read the Esselmonts. there's a lot of segula stuff in orb scepter throne well they tell there's a whole there's a whole plot line on uh one-eyed cat right um all right let's move on um <laughs> Jerko- U- ubal's headed off to his destiny um AJ, what do you think Ubala's getting up to? I mean, he's got his dreams, you know, he's got that mace and armor or whatever, or just the mace. Mm-hmm. I don't remember if there's a second piece to that. It's armor and mace, yeah. Yeah. So that's that's going on. I think it's sad that he's sad that Draconis is leaving. That made me that made me sad. Um, because rarely do we get people like being like, This is the last time I'll see you. Farewell. Um, usually it's like, all right, I'll see you in four seconds. And then they get turned into dust and it's like, oh my God, this person's dead now. But this is like a prolonged, like, I am going to miss you, my friend. Goodbye. And then they hug and it's nice. Yeah. Why did Relata um, want him to kill uh, Draconis? Uh, I don't remember That's why she like doesn't classic like Relata. Is she yeah. just like jealous? No, uh, I think she's afraid of what he's going to go do. Yeah, I, I, her we, character we, also kind of is not my favorite. I, f- I feel like that character is very poorly used in some ways. It's underutilized, I think, because I, I remember when when we first this whole threesome all came together. I remember feeling like I knew what Relata wanted and what her motivations were. And I feel like that was an entire book ago and I've now forgotten. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I truly uh, don't even remember where where she came from. But Pete, would you do you care to shed some light on that? Well, she was with a hunting party of Bargast that got attacked by the Krell hunter, Shigal assassin, that guy. The one that flies in the sky. And Girl. she was the one that got banished from the party because she was the eldest. And then she came back. They were all dead. And she was like, I'm going to find their killer and avenge us. Wow, Josh. So you do remember. Yeah, what the fuck? 
Yeah, but I just find like okay, that. What, yeah. Hey, hey, but the fact that you forgot means that like, when's the last time any of that got brought up? No, no, no. Yeah, but but uh, <laughs> I feel like the three of us were all just said like, yeah, I don't remember what happened. Sometimes you- I like to agree. So that I don't have to talk so much. And that's, Josh, that's is, something you can learn about Josh Baker. This is an audio medium, my friend. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, I have like no idea what's going on. Yeah? Okay, well, just roughly. <laughs> <laughs> roughly so the exact plot beats to how we got where we are. I'm uh, so sorry, everybody. I do appreciate the context, Josh. I really do. Um, mm-hmm. And I do, I do think I agree that she is underutilized in these scenes. I feel like these scenes are largely about, if they're not just about Ublala, they are about Ublala and Draconis's relationship. Uh, and then she is kind of there like, you should kill him if she yeah. ever speaks at all. So that's how I feel about these scenes. India, so we do see the, we hear the Forkal Assail talking about the parish here. And I wonder what you think about, well, we can get to the parish in a sec. I'd be curious to hear what you think about their conversation. Yeah. What is the parish? What is that? Is that the cloud? Like t- no, like Tanakalian and all of them. The, the great, yeah. The great so swords. they're the gray helms, helms, but they come from the land of Perish. Oh, Jesus Christ! What are they? They're that's just the, just it's humans. The, 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 the people that worship the wolves with Tanakalian yeah. and the mortal sword. Yeah, they're what? they're just humans. Okay. Kurgava used to be with them. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Why are they working? Wait. Wh- how? Okay. Confused. I would. I'm with you, India. I think this is a very vaguely explained thing that happens here. Peter, can I take a stab and then you tell me? No, sure, take whatever. Do you agree? Uh, I do agree because, okay, what annoys me is we have not seen this fleet right since book seven, right six, seven since book seven. It's the last time we saw this fleet as they left the prison island. They've been going around the continent. And you're telling me that they arrive in Calance and they say, you know, the shield anvil Tanakalian, I know he only took over approximately five seconds before we left, <laughs> but I've learned enough about him that I think this crazy long string of thoughts about our purpose in life and why we shouldn't have been sworn to the Malazans. And therefore, I think he's probably also beaten down the mortal sword. You know, the one that's led us for 35 years. I think he probably beat her in a battle of will. And now he leads them. And therefore, we agree with you guys. We're going to be under your we're going to be with you guys now. And that just seems like a crazy fucking setup to me. It's Um, especially knowing that everything that's happened in and around this desert cannot have been communicated to anybody. Right. Period. Fact. Mm hmm. Yeah, there's a pretty big leap in logic uh, for for the character here talking. It's like, furthermore, yeah. we are certain that our shield anvil has concluded much the same. That's and that he I'm is saying. now at odds like, with the mortal sword. It's, right, and it's we've seen total... Tanakali go through such a fucking inner battle about this stuff. And yet somehow this fleet captain's like, I got there too. 100% <laughs> here with you. Well, he's also um, been going through that inner battle, Josh. So I guess so. Just off screen for th- literally three books. <laughs> That's the best I've got, India. And the reason they're allying is because these two guys have decided the real purpose of the wolves is to destroy humanity, and the Malazans are humanity, therefore we should go against them. Not stopping to consider that the Forkal Assail are nothing for nature and are just as big of enemies as nature as humans are in some ways. Fucking stupid. Uh, and I don't really buy that motivation, and it really frustrates me. 
Hmm. Okay, Josh, I don't know if I can really articulate it that well, but you are 100% wrong, um, <laughs> and you sound like a clown on the show. Thank you. Um, wow. I say that with love, my what? honey, my honey boo-boo. That sounded um, loving. I guess, I don't know, like, I totally, I totally get what you're saying. I mean, it's a big change, and I understand if you, like, don't connect with the, like, motivation. To me, I always have, and I think I, like, it, like... On like a character thing of feeling like, like, oh, do we owe the Malazans this level of like loyalty? Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Of this level of devotion, especially coming mm -hmm. from like the Grey Elms and like people who are like kind of religious in that sense and are, are members of this order um, and from a different era, part of the world. Do you mean like to have that level of dedication? I mean, I think if you look at the Malazan soldiers in the bone hunters who them themselves, even within their own ranks have serious questions about whether they want to be that devoted to the cause, whether they're that devoted to Devor, you know, and they have way more longer of a history. And that's contrasted to the Greyhounds here who have way, way less of a connection than some of the soldiers who march with Tavor. So not only on that character level, does it kind of make sense to me, but, I also feel like on this like thematic conceptual level, it also kind of grocks with the ideas going on. Like you were kind of talking about with them kind of turning against humanity. So, I mean, I think his rationale is a little heady, but to me, I much more read it in that emotional way. Although mm. the rationale in that kind of conceptual thing, I also find interesting. Okay. So here's my two responses to you in my two, I guess they're both questions. Assuming everything you just said is right. My questions are, the Grey Helms are an entire society that has existed for generations and has famously always been loyal to their three leaders. And at the time that this fleet departed, the only real leader was the Mortal Sword. And so you're Tanakalian being greedy and selfish is like the one, from what we've been told, the one time that seems to have happened in the Grey Helms because they so fiercely go against the greed of humanity and thinking selfishly. So you're telling me that not only did a can Italian do it, but the second guy did and both times convince everyone. And secondly, why do they both, why does that guy continue taking his fleet to the Forkel Sail? How does he also come to the same conclusion that the Forkel Sail that he pretty much knows nothing about? Because as we've seen, the armies have learned most of this information on the way to Kalantz when they've not been able to communicate with anybody. So how does he get all that info and come to the same conclusion? Josh, I like I totally hear you and I'm not saying you're wrong about those things. And as I said, if you like, well, you did start off your whole argument with you're wrong and an idiot and dumb. So, <laughs> OK, I did not say that. I said you were a clown, but yes, I love thank you, you, honey boo boo. Um, and listen, I, I but I OK, that was just me being jokey and funny for um, but <laughs> playing a little banter for the show. Keep going. Keep going, but I yeah. guess what I mean is, I, like, I don't have a real big answer to those questions, Josh. But to me, and that's why fundamentally, I, I think if you just don't buy that, you're not going to buy it, and that's yes. that. Do you mean I? And I understand if you don't feel that way. Um, okay. I, I AJ, India, how did you feel? I think part of it is that for us, it, it just kind of like shows up and happens. But it, I, I think we're supposed to believe that they've been talking to. The, one of the four Curlisale, whether it's Sister Reverence or, or Brother Diligence or whoever. Well, they've been um, talking since they arrived here, but they would they they were not supposed to start communications. They were supposed to blockade. And the fact that they even entered into negotiations implies that at some point they were like, I think we're going to join with these guys because yeah. otherwise they would have never spoken with them. 
Well, Josh, I got to say, you have a much firmer grasp of what's happening than I do, it seems. But also, like, what if the parish just, like, what if they, like, were like, let's go on vacation, and they just went somewhere else That's what I'm saying. To me, a more reasonable solution is to return to their homeland, think on things, and then from there, elect new leaders that (laughs) align with their new mentality. But instead, Well, but Josh, Josh, we don't elect the leaders here, as is proven later. Um, oh, you're right. I guess we don't elect they would have had to a- or shield anvil. They are chosen. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. Although the person currently telling people that they're well, chosen is the mortal. You know, yeah, it gets a little hinky. India, what did you think of this here? I did. Uh, mm, well, it I sounded was like you had it. Sorry. You, yeah, you say your thing. Yeah. No, you say my thing. Well, I was just going to say, it sounded like you had a question before Josh went into his whole diatribe. Sorry. <laughs> I got ref- I was very passionate. <laughs> um, never apologize for your passion. I don't even, but to be fair, I don't remember. That conversation definitely went in a direction that I was not expecting. And, mm. uh, and now I'm, I'm, I don't remember. I did want to say the whole, all the stuff we learned about the Forkle of Sale here through the conversation around Faint and Precious Thimble. Love this whole section about the whole thing. So just love. The, I find the backstory here around um, this history really compelling, you know, mm. and the stuff around the Forkula sale. God, cool. Oh, the stuff with um, what's her face, like telling her what the change them all feel. Right. You're talking about that yeah. stuff. That's so good. So interesting. And the divers is the, is the, the divers the are. So, yeah, that was their. Yeah, that was their God. That was a crazy yeah. reveal. That's so cool. Isn't yeah. It? Yeah. I'm fucked really up. Good. What a payoff. Another one. We're really getting like. Steve I was just really excited to have that whole thing come back because sometimes we do just be learning that things are gods and then we leave it there. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I do love that it was like they're so the forkless sale are so like self-righteous and stuff. That they're like, oh, well, our God just doesn't get it. We have to kill our God because we get it and they don't. Uh, I think that's that's I agree, Pete. I think that's real good shit. Brutal stuff. It's just they're just big old hypocrites, you know, aren't we all, though? Aren't we all? Yeah. Yeah. I, I do like the the idea of the age of adjudication. I think that's just a great name for a time. Uh, it's a really good name. Yeah. Queen, let's go to the Queen of Brasil and Spax discussion. Um. Mm. So I actually really liked the scene. I totally agree that I feel like everybody morale is obviously low. Everyone's just kind of marching toward their death. And that kind of sucks. Um, Whereas really no like silver lining in sight or anyone that can save the day. Um, And that's kind of brutal. But Mm. question for, I guess, AJ is like, what was Mm. your thoughts of this? And um, where do you think that they're all going? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I, I love the the dynamic between Nebraska and Spax. I said in the last episode, I think um, that I just love Spax as a character now in this book, uh, which I'm really happy for. Um, I do just want to point out Ryan in our discord said <laughs> that uh, called Spax a bratty sub, um, which I think is <laughs> really, wow, yeah. really nah, yeah. good. A bratty sub is so good. Oh, my God. I love it. It really is. Uh, yeah. So now that that's out of the way, <laughs> I've been I've been sitting on that since this episode started. I've wanted to bring it up so bad. Um, <laughs> so impressed with your restraint. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I, I do like this conversation about like the difference between the white faces and the mm. the gilk and stuff. Um, I think that's interesting. And also uh, somebody else in our discord, uh, Plugo, pointed out that Spax kind of treats treats the gilk as more of a mercenary company instead of like a tribe or a clan. Mm. And so that's kind of like 
also just talking about the differences between the way that the whiteface Bargast and the, the Gilk kind of uh, function, which I just thought was an interesting thing to point out. Uh, and then when he, <laughs> when she's like, so what are you going to do to inspire your warriors? And he says, I'm going to shame them, I think is a really great, uh, a really I'm great thing. I'm excited to learn whatever that means. Yeah, well, it seems like a kind of a Captain Kindly move, right? Like you need to give them something to unify against. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm going to make them feel really shitty and I'm going to be really mean to them. Uh, and that's going to get <laughs> that. That'll do it. Um, I just I love that. That's so fun. Uh, what did you think about the whole uh, like his perspective on like following his gods and, and the path they took, AJ? He talks about like they revived their young gods and then they were given their their weapons of old that had all this like steeped history and they were like, you're going to go find your enemy. And then they, you know, all they found was fucking this. Mm. Um, I mean, I, I, that feels like a commentary <laughs> to me. Uh, it's like, it's, it's the specifics of it. I think, um, like how Pete was reading that, that we were just talking about that. I have already forgotten that Josh's strong feelings about, I think this is also kind of like one of those, like, you know, trying to and I think it goes along with the themes of the rest of at least these last two books of like trying to build a society in a new way using old ideas you know uh and how that's kind of a thing that like you're just it's 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 bound to not work out uh and so that that's kind of that's really all I kind of have to say about I didn't it that bit didn't grab me as I was reading it and so that's kind of where I've come up now because I'm, I'm trying to I'm 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 struggling to Bless remember you. the like the white face relationships to their gods and stuff because I, I think know, that's awesome. I don't remember a ton of on it. That's what I'm saying. Well, I feel we, like that's important. Context. They didn't. Their gods were like closed off for them. They they were kind of young and they didn't know how they weren't really that powerful. And then they found those ships underneath Kapustan and that kind of had a, held a lot of relics for them and gave them an introduction into their history. And then oh, yeah. I think they kind of had a renewed relationship with their gods. But then we didn't talk about it for five books. After I that. forgot about the Kapustan like boats underneath. Yeah, the boats under that big temple that yeah. had all the gods wow, that had their shit. like priest, their god priests or whatever they were called. Yeah. Okay, so I do want to quickly touch on because I do have a question. So the parish are the wolf people. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Then I was reading and I saw that they have a shield anvil who's Tanakalian. Mm-hmm. Fucking sucks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But Setok mm-hmm. is a destriant. Yes, which that, they've been missing. That was revealed, yes. yes. That was the big reveal, right. Which was funny because I didn't know that it was missing. So it didn't really feel like a reveal. It just felt like finding out, finding out that Setok was a destriant. What does that mean? And how is that possible? And is that what you meant before when you were like, it's not like they choose? Yes, that is what I meant. Okay. Are Tanakalian, Tanakalian and Setok, are they going to like, do they even know each other? Do they even like each other? Well, Tanakalian has met Kaelith now. Kaelith? No, Setok now. Uh, and the mortal, but the mortal sword was saved by the Shigal assassin. It's just like barely alive. So probably going to be a minute. Okay. I mean, he was chosen by the mortal sword, but then she, she constantly refers to him as has her greatest mistake yeah. that she shouldn't have done that. Uh-huh. And in, in the be- in the beginning of Dust of Dreams, the Destriant, the, the old Destriant dies in front of Tanakalian and he's like, let me save you. And then that Destriant's like, no, and melts into goo or yeah. something. 
Yeah. Uh, and and that, I don't know if we really ever get an explanation as to for that one, do we? No. I mean, I'm sure. Let's see. He was doing something he shouldn't have these been. Words, we will not be judged. You wield swords. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. If anything, if it was going to come up at some point, it would. I feel like it would be in this section when yeah. Setok is like opening her mouth to be the Wolves of Winter phone. And, and that That's just so cool. That mm-hmm. part rules. Um, but I don't, it does not. Uh, it does not clear up why. Maybe because. No. Well, do you think the do you think the other parish arrived and and were already like talking to the Forkula sale at that point? And maybe it's because of that that they were like, well, your faith is tainted or something. No, they were. That was months and months. Apart. I know. That's what I'm saying. But like, I, I, I don't know. I don't All right. Know. India, how did you feel about this Gruntle Kalava stuff and the death of Gruntle? Um, I felt sad, but also um, I, I, I was never super attached to Grunt gruntle but yeah very sad though like just steve writes it intentionally to be really sad so if he wasn't like oh my god i'm thinking the last thing i thought of was stony and la la la, Mm. i wouldn't have cared that much but i did find um that that was kind of depressing and sad and like i hate when um i love the love and i hate when they they kill the people and make Mm. one of them sad so that blows but still really good AJ Josh, nope. Uh, also, really sad. I it was one of those things where I I started that section and then d- it didn't click what was happening until like a page and a half in, and then I was like, wait a second, and I had to go back and read it again, um, which made it doubly sad. Yeah, I I feel like it's a useless death, and that makes me bummed out. Well, I think I think, yes, I agree with you, Josh, but and it does bum me out as well. But I also think this goes along with like when the dragon, uh, I can't remember the Otateral dragon's name is revealed at the end of the last book. And it's like no plans now. Who fucking knows? Like part of me feels like, you know, this. And to be fair, they were standing at the gate. So like, what did we like? What did we think was going to happen? Like, obviously, I just don't understand why he felt like he needed to do that fight. Like, cause even if he f- kills Kalava, what he can't not, you know, Starfield Demolade is going to open. He can't stop it. I just, I have not understood his motivation very well. I think his motivation is just fuck Trake. Fuck Treach. Yeah. And that's my understanding. And, and Kalava is Treach's mom. I, so he's like, fuck your mom. I'm going to kill your mom using your power. You bastard. I don't love it, but yeah, I, I, <laughs> I agree with everything you said. Oh, that's basically my feelings. It makes me sad, but I do like am somewhat confused by the whole thing. Like I understand, you know, but mm-hmm. I don't feel compelled by it. You know, yeah. agreed. What did you think about the 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 Kalava POV being the the end of that section? <laughs> Either of you? Sad. Yeah. Also sad. Interesting to get it. Yeah. All right. Let's move on. Chapter nineteen. Woo. Big battle time. Chapter 19 Withel decides that it's time to fight and puts on some armor that he finds. He and Sandalith fight about soldier sacrifice and she remembers a meeting between Anamander Rake and Spinnok Durav. Withel storms into battle, realizing now that neither side will surrender. He sees Yedendarig, but cannot spot Twilight. Jan Tobis watches Yedan fight. She thinks about annihilation and the value of her freedom. 
she and Yudan wordlessly agree to pull their forces back. Sandalith is in a dream state between reality and memory when Spinak Durav shows up. They speak about Karkanis and the cursed blood of the Elaint. Spinnok then hears the fighting at Lightfall and goes to rally the Tistandi. Namander is with Corlat. He fights the call of the Elaine. Corlat says Solana will burn the realm to the ground because of Sandalith. Namander goes to try and tell the queen to call Solana off. Absalara is looking for her armor. She remembers where she got it and thinks of the futility of the Jagat's battle against death. Aperol Forge stands on the other side of the rent. He thinks about the city of Saranus and its downfall. A dying soldier tells Forge that they honor their enemy, humans that fight like demons. The soldier tells Forge of the one-man Hust Legion, and Forge pledges to kill him. Namander runs through the city, thinking of Anamander Rake and Pale. He runs into Absalara, who tells him that Sandalith has gone insane. Absalara and Spinnok and his legions will join the Sheikh. Spinnok rallies the Andi, telling them how Rake did not fail them, and that strangers fight for them now. A dragon roars. Sandalith speaks to Anamander Rake about her son, Orphan Tall. Rake is really Namander, and he tells her she must release Solana. She does not budge. Charles stands by brevity as Jan Tovis kneels to her people. The Leosian advance, and three of them veer into dragons. Yedan kills the veered Aperol Forge, but is badly wounded. Corlat reaches the battle and turns into a dragon. Twilight feels Pulley and Squish die. She reaches Yedan, who says he finally sees home. He dies. Namander wishes for Absalara to show up and ease his burden between fighting his blood and the need to kill Sandalith. Fade shows up instead. Fade convinces Sandalith that if she does not release Solana, Orphan Tall will die. Eventually, Sand gives in and is told to hide in her room. Fayed tells Namander to go to the shore. She'll keep Sandalith company. Absalara saves Withel and says that he can keep her armor, for now. Brevity saves Charles, and they pledge to be friends till the end. Zevgan drools and other members of the Sheikh army that are unfit to fight talk of their pasts. Spinox legions enter the fray. Kadigar Fant begins to look for Yantovis, but is surprised by the Andy legions, and then by Solana, who knocks him to the ground. He assembles and begs to be taken as a hostage. Corlat kills him. Corlat watches as the Andes slaughter the remaining Leozin and head through Lightfall. She is shocked by the amount of shake that have died. 
Absalara asks for her armor back. Withel begins doffing the armor and sees the Andy kneeling to the Sheikh. He wants Yantovis and the rest to see, but Absalara tells him not yet. Namander and his siblings arrive. Namander, weeping, asks Corlat if she'll go to see her mother. Corlat refuses, saying Orphan's Hall was the only child she cared about. Corlat asks Yantovis if she may stand at her side as the sister of night. Yantovis refuses at first, but Corlat says she is not pure of blood, and Twilight accepts. Withel's heart breaks one more time. Charles is dying. Brevity weeps, but Charles is done with that. The Sheikh and the Fairy let loose cries for Yedin Derig. Jan Tovis welcomes her brother home. All right, so here we are. We're at the shore. Oh my gosh, Jan Tovis. Who else? All of our oh Yedin Gehrig or whatever. And uh, can we just call him Greg? It's so close. <laughs> no, we can. No, call, we I can want call to start Greg. calling him. Why Greg? don't we call him Dan? It's in his name. <laughs> All right, so Dan Greg. What's he Dan, doing? Dan and Jan. Dan. Um, <laughs> Dan Greg and his sister on on Tovis. Um, his aunt Ovis. <laughs> Okay. Anyway, so big war. Every no one's stopping. Everyone's fighting. Everyone's dying. Um, mm-hmm. and our good pal, good pal, who's dating the queen, Withel. 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 Damn. Love Withel. Yeah, Withel's like, I'm gonna get my hands dirty. Who's coming with me? And GF says no thanks i actually don't want to watch all of my people die right now so maybe not (laughs) and then willow's actually i think a little bit kind of rude in his um response and he's just like oh can't believe you don't want to do that with me where do you stand because i stand very much with um girl whose name i don't remember sandalith sandalith (laughs) goodness willow and sandalith yes yeah. Suicide I mean, oh man, I don't think it's that simple. I mean, as much as we boil stuff down to its basest parts, I feel like this one is so there's so much here baggage-wise that I feel like it's hard to choose a side. Um because in Well, I understand both sides. Yeah. There are good um, people on both sides. There's good people on both sides. <laughs> uh, um, and i can't i can't decide which which one i end up on if i'm being okay totally I, I, let me help you out aj so one of them's being a little pushy and maybe asking the other one to like go down and to a dangerous scenario and possibly lose their lives not great i the agree. other one is controlling a dragon and saying let's commit a genocide okay well <laughs> i guess that's fair you know okay Reductive, yes. So what I'm hearing is AJ's pro genocide. That's what I heard. Well, and also I guess so am I technically. But um <laughs> Okay. I just want to come out and again and say I'm anti-genocide. That's one of my things. Also um, anti-genocide. Well, I did forget about the dragon somehow. Me too. Me too. Uh, 
I just more meant I feel like I understand where both those characters are at. I, and it's, um, I think it's very interesting to have, hear about Sandalus past and have that be brought into the present in this moment and how it's kind of um, affected. And that's her. what I meant when I was talking about baggage It's like it's it's so much more than just like, come fight with me. No, like there's so much more stuff that Sandalith is dealing with in this moment um, that I can't really fault her for not wanting to just like go start fighting in this in this moment. Mm-hmm. I agree. 100%. But it's tough because Withel's like, look, I'm going to do the one thing that I can see has direct results. And if you don't want to, like, have results, if you're not a, a girl boss uh, like me, then I guess you just sit on your throne and I'll go do some stabbing. Um, but I do think there's a uh, like a line at the end of that section. As Withel was leaving, he was like, I had to do that so that she didn't feel like she was losing me or something like we had to have a fight so that she hated me in, in this moment or something so I could die. It was something I, like that. Something yeah. like that. I can't find the line. And that's sad. And I don't think and any time that ever comes up in media, I'm like, you're so fucking wrong. That's never yeah. the answer. It's yeah. always it never works. It never works. It just ends up with two very sad people instead of instead of it doing what either or what the one person wants it to do you know mm-hmm. yeah and then we see um Yantovis and she's like i just don't know why i d- couldn't have just said yeah you can you can take it yeah. over you can win um because this is shitty so uh i agree this was a really kind of brutal um do we oh god can i just say can I, can I jump ahead a little bit to a connection I just made? I think made? so, yeah. I think jump. Do we like the symmetry of Kalor delivering the news to the Tisti Leosian of their daughter's death versus Kalor being the one that kills Sandalith's son? Whoa. Kind of responsible on both ends there. Wow. Whoa. Just made that connection just now, and it feels... Re- that's a fucking beautiful Josh, you are on a thing. fucking roll this evening. Yeah, you're no, on fire. I, I hadn't made that connection. Josh is always being a star. I will say Josh messaged us in the chat and in retrospect, it's very funny because Josh said, uh, did we know that Sandalith has a kid and who that kid is? And I said, yeah, this was a real real last book. It's Corlat. Um, mm-hmm. And then Josh did not respond <laughs> because I hadn't read the I hadn't read that part yet where it's like, yeah, uh, Orphanthal's my son. Uh, yeah. OK, time out on everything Carcanus you're lazy. Yes. We have to put the Tisty storyline down. Sorry, sorry, okay. sorry, 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 sorry. Lots of times I don't bring stuff up on the show because I'm like this, like I'm trying to like center your guys' readings, you know? Mm-hmm. And if you guys don't pick up on something, I'm usually not going to bring it up, okay? Mm-hmm. But we are so at the end and it was mentioned, I think, in the last chapter and it was mentioned earlier and we've never talked about it. We do hear about the fate of Malik Rel and maybe what he's up yeah. to. Yeah, there is some stuff with him and the Empress, right? Yeah, yeah he's so like taken over I... her seat or something uh, because she is. I don't know. I, 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 yeah, I don't know the specifics, but he's he is basically emperor right now. He is emperor. Yeah. He oh, is he emperor. is. I did not catch that. I thought it was like he's acting in place of Wait, the emperor. Who? Wow, fuck him, Empress. then. Dude sucks ass. Um, why did you bring this up? I guess to me, it's this huge thing. And I guess I'm not even really being that forthcoming about that plot line because I feel like I just like I can't believe I'm so stu- stunned that it didn't stand out to you. I remember being floored when it I well, because it's part of fucking like, it's later. half a world away, dude. Right. That's what I'm like. You it, know, it's not that relevant. That's anymore, what I, yeah. I feel you know, like but. it came up and I was like, oh, weird. And then like just kept reading because like what else was I supposed to do with that info besides be like, yeah, whoa. 
you know, uh, like so the just... Empress, is, the Empress is dead, and Malagrol is taken over. So then the Malazan Empire has fallen, and they're terrible. And so we should, we should just get rid of them after we kill the crippled god. Sure. Well, they're not Malazans anymore, Josh. I, I, I like. I feel like they're no, not. No, I'm saying the Bone Hunters should come back and just purge the Malazan oh, Empire I see, I see, I see, for sure. Krilla Sail style. Okay. Give a little t- age of adjudication. Just age of adjudication. <laughs> age of adjudication. <laughs> Once again, I have to come out and say I oppose genocide on the show. I would not call this uh, a genocide. Malik Rel showed up way Josh, long people ago. People doing it usually don't call it that. Exactly know? why I'm not calling it that. He was a priest of male. And he was a real shithead. And I can't remember what book he was introduced in. Who? Two. Malik Rell. Book two. Book it two. was book two. Yeah. Because he's with Corbolo Dom as like his. All right. We, we should move back to Carcana. Sorry for the detour. I just. I just. Let's we, just kind of wrap. Wait, you want to go back to Carcanus? Yeah, that's the where the fighting. That's well, where I just the mean this whole happening. chapter, this yeah. storyline. The shore. Yeah. So we're going to the shore. The shore. Yeah. All right. I don't really have much to say about this. It was a lot. It was a lot of there was a lot. There was dragons and 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 things and I don't know. Can you like maybe Josh? I feel like you really love things like this, fighting and all that. Mm. What do you, did you have? Any- we talking about Lightfall in general. This whole the yeah. whole battle. Yeah. First off, I do just want to say, Cold Shot Aperol Forge is the one that <laughs> dies, uh, blasting through the portal first. Felt very vindicated. Did not go the whole way though, and get used to close Lightfall. I mean, it was a pretty cool scene. Three, you know, three white dragons show up, and then only two white dragons after that. But pretty cool. What did you want to know, India? I could just gush about dragons for a bit. No, I was just curious about like how you felt about this whole like battle scene. I feel like this was like kind of different than the usual kind because we weren't oh, really jumping around as much. I then... would say this is a top. I would say it's very rude of Steve to separate this battle into so many chapters. Because I think if you had all three, all of these sections in one go, mm. I think this would, I think this is probably one of the best battles I've ever read. Mm-hmm. Because well, you get such varying perspectives on it. And I mean, what cooler way for it to end than with the Tisty Andy being with the ones that saved the shake when historically it's been the opposite always. And for them to just immediately kneel down to them is just such a cool oh. moment. Mm-hmm. Namander just has no hesitation for it. They all, I mean, they just, there's a cloud of black dragons killing the the, the Leosian dragons. I mean, it's, and, you know, Solana's there just murdering things. It's so good. Yeah. I don't know how you don't absolutely love it. It's, <laughs> it's so good. The scene with Spinok Durov in the shield is is just perfect uh <laughs> he's just beating this he just picks a guy and he's just like i hope you're ready and he just beats the shit out of this guy as they're going to battle and when he falls there's just another guy that's just like all right here it is it's too cool to stop he has to keep beating us up <laughs> and if there's anything i would ever want to see like as you know animated or live action it would probably be that scene i think it's 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 so great him just talking about the history of the the Andy and the perspective on all the people who thought, you know, Animator Rake was doing what was wrong and how that's all led to this one moment. I don't know. It's great. I don't think I, I don't think I'm smart enough to talk about it. I think you did a great I, job, Josh. Thank you. Yeah, I really it's, I agree. it's so good. I agree with a lot of what you said. Uh, Re this battle being so fucking cool. Um, and I think I mean, this isn't super I, I think it being stretched out over multiple chapters is just like 
is not a thing that happens in these books typically a um mm-hmm. and is just it, it, it is done on purpose to have us like uh, to me this is the equivalent of like a, a tracking shot in like a movie or television which is a shot that is all one camera move and they never yeah, yeah, cut yeah. to a different angle or anything and shows do that a lot of the time shows and movies do that a lot of time to subconsciously build tension within the viewer and so at, you know like it doesn't give your eye a break at all you never change angles abruptly you're just constantly with the flow of action and stuff and i feel like that is what these chapters are doing where it's or these sections within these chapters are doing where it's like no every time we come back to the shake now it's going to be a battle and you're gonna have to keep reading it and it's like it's so good i think it's so great there's a battle in book five that i keep thinking about um i think don't I don't know if it's the first time it, it, it's a battle where Troll meets up with the Kenra law demon and we get all that lore and stuff. But oh, earlier yeah, on in that one. battle, there is the part where the fucking uh, the whoever the mages are for the warlock king send up the wave yeah, the of giant death. bone tornadoes. Yeah, that shit is so fucking cool. And to me, this is like that's that's a scene that I c- would compare to to these scenes. I think it's yeah, yeah, yeah. That is like that is one that that is a battle that stands out in my head constantly. Uh, and I think this will be one after the fact that like I will think about all the time. Uh, it's so good. It's so, so good. And Amanda's back. I love Amanda. <laughs> He's great. That scene between him and Sandaleth is so fucking sad. Yes. Really glad he didn't murder her. <laughs> Crazy that the ghost of Fade's back also and like able to be seen. Yeah, that was a whole that. that was a whole weird thing. I, I love that Fade like talks to Sandalith and is like, oh, you gotta do you gotta release Solana. It's what you gotta do. And then mm-hmm. <laughs> and Nimander is just like there and doesn't say anything. Uh and then Fade turns around and is like, I told you I'd fucking haunt you. And he's like, Yeah, you sure will. And like we don't there's no there's no moment there where he tries to uh interrupt that, which I thought yeah. felt weird to me, but India, did stuff stand what stood out to you from this chapter and maybe this battle? I mean, it is a big battle and it's kind of the, you know, climax of this battle that's been building across multiple chapters like Josh kind of touched on. Yeah, I I thought it was um, a lot. There's a lot going on. It's hard for it's hard to follow, but I I got the general gist. I think it just seemed like a lot of I feel like you guys are going to hate this. It felt like a lot of just like the same thing going on, mm. not from other battles, I don't think. I don't really. This one just seemed a lot less like magic. Boom. Mm. This one just seemed like a lot more. Oh, yeah. It's I think it's meant to. I mean, it's like as bloody of a battle as we've seen. And it's just people killing each other. There's mm-hmm. nothing. Fancy. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Except the um, So that was like different. Um, but I did like like there was like a girl boss moment in there. I was getting um, ready to say the the friendship between Brevity and Cheryl, 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 yeah. who at the end dies, and it's the saddest death of like a while. <laughs> yeah, agree. That's right. That is where I was headed. Um, but like I kind of expected it only because I, she was getting f- like fucked, and then she was like, well. Like she was dying, she was gonna die when Brevity, I think, found her. Mm-hmm. Um, so I w- I was kind of expecting it, but yeah, that that was a sweet moment. I really liked it. It was quick, um, though, so that kind of sucked. I was hoping that maybe they could be friends, but yeah, I think that was nice. I think it was great. It was interesting, ish. <laughs> I was kind of bored, and I hate to say that because you're like, oh, 
It's like this big thing that happened. And it was. A lot of people died. But nothing really, like, of course, had me, like, floored. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, my God, that was so great. Yeah, I mean, I think... If if battle scenes aren't your thing, this is just another battle scene, you know, like mm -hmm. and, and like Correct. you said, this it's is just like this one especially is just like people fighting. You know, there's no like you said, there's no like magic tornadoes of bones or anything. It's just like, yeah, as a battle and we're just which I like better, to be fair, because sure. that's easier for me to visualize, you know, the tornadoes and, and, and all that um like crazy shit. I'm like, I have no fucking idea what to even mm. see in my head right now. That's interesting you say that, India. I feel like for me, this is a battle. I really like this battle. I love this chapter. Uh, but this is a battle, although I do think there's an effort in other chapters. It just doesn't, I like it's, I struggle with it. For this battle, I feel like I have a very clear image of the geography of the fight mm. and what is where and what is going on. So I feel like I have a very clear image as opposed to some other more like kind of larger scale battles where they're trying to describe what units are where in the yeah. land and i just there's, can't really wrap there's my that head one in toll the hounds i think where it's like let me describe to you warhammer style where every single retinue is and what they yeah. have at their disposal and what their orders are and all that stuff for like three pages uh and this is definitely not that which i love and toll the hounds i think it's toll the hounds probably means scale. i don't know it's probably Re reaper's Gale, is that seven? Yeah, that's Fire Reaper's Gale. It was one of them. Yeah, I, I, I would have said it would be the one before that, actually. Bone Hunters? Um, no, yeah. Reaper's Gale. Reaper's Gale. It would be. Sure. I love the love the return of Namander and the resolution of so many of these storylines are really strong. I think a lot of these character moments really land for me, and I think they're just kind of beautiful. The Yet and Derek stuff. Oh, my mm -hmm. guy. Mm -hmm. My guy. I like I how are you not moved by mm. this? You know? R.I.P. Dan um, Gregg. Um, yeah, I don't disrespect him like that. Yeah, I just like not only is it a really sad thing, I, I like feel like a deep love for that character and feel very sad about that whole thing. So, um, yeah, that uh, death definitely really, really made me upset. I mean, especially the him whispering that he finally sees it as he dies is like so, so moving. I also find Josh shouted it out the them uh, the Andy kneeling to the shake mm -hmm. just such a powerful moment for me. I find that to be really moving. Also, there's that the like kind of war cry pump up battle speech that's really cool. Mm -hmm. I find that sp that speech was really moving to yeah, me. Yeah, what is it? They um, uh, he did not fall. All that stuff. So I just love this whole section. I don't know. I think it's an awesome. Like, Josh, to me, the fact that it's spread out across several chapters, this battle increases. It's like, yeah, I, I think in like, retrospect, it really does. Does. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it kind of builds and it builds to this chapter, which is such an awesome one. So big, big fan of this chapter. Um, and it's such a there's so much to go into it. I almost feel like we, we didn't really touch on so much of it, you know. But it is it is getting late. I know we only have so much time. You know, I, I mean, we could touch on more if you want. <laughs> yeah, literally. Pulley and Squish die. On, also you sad. could touch on whatever you want. Pulley and Squish, Pulley and squish die. die. Uh, yeah, and these deaths seem a little like, to be fair, for a while before I realized that people could come back from the dead, all the deaths felt really final. Then for a while, people just kept coming back and I was like, okay, like, you can't just pick and choose when people are going to fucking die. <laughs> but these deaths, I do believe, are like, it wouldn't make sense to bring anyone back at this point. So it does feel like more, I think, 
sad and impactful, mm. in my opinion. 100%. I agree with you, India. I, I feel very impacted by a lot of these deaths. I think this whole Tisty Andy storyline, like I've kind of shared before on the show, I think is one that did not um, like kind of left me out of left me out like I didn't really connect to the first time I read the book. And I think the second time through I read it, I just really loved it and really connected with it and really, I don't know, I really kind of understood more it and um, just wanted to kind of say I love this, the ending of it here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's good. It's it's a really it's a really great chapter, and I mean I I only am realizing now, uh, looking at the summary that like the whole chapter is this battle, uh, which again I think is just an illustration of like this is like a, a Yigatan style thing where it's like we are here for this entire chapter, mm -hmm. um, and we hop it's Tisty Andy top yeah, to bottom. yeah, and we hop back yeah. and forth to the Leosian uh a couple of times, but like and so I guess for me when I was reading it 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 that didn't uh register to me as like yeah this is the same storyline you know what i mean but looking through the summary it's like yeah this is all just the, this is all just the battle like if this 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 is the mm -hmm. script for an episode of t like this is the treatment exactly. for an episode of yeah, tv yeah, yeah like this is this is a one hour of television uh it's good stuff uh absolara also is there shout out oh yeah um yeah just just absolutely fucking destroying shit yeah also mostly naked yeah, because Withel took her armor, which yeah. I'm unsure how. How did he take it off her? Well, so no. she didn't. He found it underneath because it was taken from her the first time she broke into Carcanus. Yes, which Centuries is when ago. when when Anamanda Ray killed her and put her in the sword. I assume. No, that was a different time. That was a different time. Okay, yeah. she got captured in Carcanus several times. Okay, <laughs> that sneaky Absalara. Classic. Yeah. But didn't she? She had clothes though. Right? Like when she left the sword, she had clothes. Well, regardless, she could have gotten some by now. She's been in the castle over at Black Coral, but <laughs> instead she's just half naked. Yeah. Sexy. Yeah. Hot. <laughs> All right. Should we should we move on to the final chapter? Or is this going to be a long episode? Oh, yeah. it's definitely a long episode for sure. A lot fucking happened. A lot happened. Yeah. Chapter 20. The cries of a woman giving birth echo through the Kundral camp. It is Shalamasa. Jastara pushes Warleader Gaul to lead his people. Outside, the children of the snake are gathering. Badal thinks about the strength of the warriors and takes the adjunct's hand, asking when she will let herself feel. Korik thinks back to his childhood in a brothel and the women that surrounded him. He rails smiles, thinking about the children she might have one day. Cuddle recalls his brothers and thinks he will die for a cause. Korab thinks on his past as well, Yigatan and making his mother cry. Tar has faith and loyalty in Fiddler, Cuddle, and the Adjunct. By the water wagons, Shorthand is guarding the barrels and then is struck from behind. The soldiers drag away his body. Porus crawls out from beneath the wagon and sees Blistic, who stabs him. Balm and Throat Slitter look for shorthand but get attacked. The raiders run off, but they all suspect it was Blistic. Porus is badly wounded and needs help. Blistic is tracked down by Kindly. He has Porus' blood on his knife. Deadsmell operates on pores along with the help of the Talani Mass. 
Blistig defends himself, saying the extra water supply is for the highborn and the officers, those with greater responsibilities, and is not to be given to the children. Kindly still refuses to execute him, and Blistig rails on about how Tavor has abandoned them and killed them all. Blistig wishes he could kill Tavor and says it was a waste to save Poor's life. Badal watches Sadek receive a toy, and she wants to cry but cannot. She thinks about how she will live and thinks of the Kundral as givers of gifts. Fiddler is far out in front of the Bone Hunters and faces his doubts. He is comforted by the Bridge Burners. Whiskey Jack, Mallet, and Trots speak to him about meaning, their role in what is to come, and mythologizing the Bridge Burners. Lestariel longs for the power of Cotillion and then joins the leaders of the Bone Hunters. They are begging with Tavor for understanding, for direction about what they are to do. Blistig roars in anger, and Tavor takes out her dagger, the gift from Bug, from Male, and wields it, stabbing it into the ground. Water rises. Who's shorthand? He's shorthand. <laughs> he's shorthand. You know? Shorthand. I, oh, God. I've India. We never know. gone by another name, and he's never been known as something else. India, the, the quick answer is we met him one time a, a handful of chapters ago. And, <laughs> you know, he was a heavy, and then he lost his hands to the Kachena Rook. Now, now he works for Pores. Oh. And where are they? Where do we find ourselves here? We're in the glass desert. We're back with the bone hunters. So much going on. Checking in with all these people. Our friends. Our friends. Yes. 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 All right. Like we have, we could touch in with all these guys. We all know they're all doing the stuff, but the center of it is all the ballistic drama. Okay, yeah. but wait. Yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to skip over the 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 war leader Gaul stuff. Okay. Also, you're with right. the kid touch it on with that. the kid. So good. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. And it's just another it's a, just another moment of uh, this time. It's just Ara being like, hey, you got to fucking do something, dude. Um, yeah. Like you can't just sit here and be sad. And, you know, hopefully it works this time. <laughs> yeah. Pretty weird when he's just like, my son did a good job of picking you as he's leaving her bed. Like, <laughs> Not the smoothest of uh, exits. That's so vile. Um, also, there is more Badal stuff here, and it's like about held um, in that metaphorical sense, which is cool. Yeah, dude. Uh, um, and also, we didn't talk about it before, but when they take held from Rutt's hands and Rutt's like elbow tendons had like shriveled so that he was just in like the baby holding uh, uh yeah he was stuck holding an uh they i think they call it the ghost of a child or something because there's just no baby there anymore so fucking sad like that's ju just like and then they kind of imply that he was like holding the spirit mm -hmm. of the snake mm -hmm. uh, yeah that's... which is kind of a beautiful idea you know? yeah i mean he should have just put the baby down that's just, on the ground that's a good suggestion good suggestion yeah i'm over i'm over that so let's move on to i kind of want to talk about if i'm being honest none of any of the 
people in this and None i do of the want. soldiers all before yeah. all the run-up stuff you don't need to get into i just feel like i agree yeah i don't feel like there's anything like if if you know you like if you know you know yeah uh, you know all right i do i just want to shout out i think the bottle stuff about like can narrative and can stories motivate people to do crazy stuff is like um a cool section i also love the corab stuff you know i'm a big corab head and seeing um him return to that kind of idea around following a leader and following a leader who appeals to passions and what that means is interesting so Let's get into the ballistic stuff. Uh, also, Badal tries to hold Tavor's hand and she doesn't want to. It, and that's upsetting. Yeah. yeah. We're speed running the first half of the chat. Well, it's because it's, like, be it's like sad stuff that we've kind of touched on before, you know, and then we get to like what the what we actually really want to talk about, which is ballistic, mm. which is a thing that I've never thought in my life. Also, I just feel like you, uh, this is going to this is going to be a really weird thing. But like, <laughs> you know, when you meet children that are like so neglected that they just like come up to anyone and will like let anyone hold them. That's how I feel about these little snake children. Like they're so just fucked up and like dejected and broken that they're just looking for love anywhere, even in Tavor's cold arms mm. and hands. Mm. Um, not that she's intentionally cold, but like she is at the end of the day. Oh, she is helping take care of them. So I, I, I don't know exactly what you mean by that, but. I mean, emotionally, like, have you ever heard of the freaking experiment with the cloth mother and the wire mother? She's very much a wire mother. Mm, I have no idea what the fuck you just said. Um, no. Okay. Feels like, a little harsh, but um, I guess <laughs> I do know what you mean. Yeah. Like the psych thing where they took the baby monkeys, which was like horrible. And oh, smoking. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they're baby monkeys. Tavor is a wire mother. So she provides food and water. <laughs> And really not much water mm. or much food, mm -hmm. but zero emotional warmth. But they still love her because she provides food and water. That's what I was thinking about when I was reading this. I don't know. I Anyway, to Ballistic, our favorite war person. Our favorite war person. Our favorite fist. Our favorite fist. What did you... Well, okay, who do I want? I think AJ. Sure. I think I want AJ to um, tell me your thoughts. Mm. And that's it. Yeah, I mean, so it's uh, we're we're finally seeing Blistig get his, I don't know, I guess it's comeuppance, and like, it's not super satisfying if I'm being honest. It kind of just makes me mad. <laughs> it just yeah. makes me upset, and I'm like, man, because okay, so part of it is we spent a a, a portion of last episode talking about how like. Blistig's not actually that bad. He's just trying to do what he's trying to do because he thinks that like. He should be looking out for his soldiers and he doesn't feel like Tavor is doing that. And like, that's whatever. And like, I was like happy with like Blistig being a complicated character in that way. But in this chapter, Blistig is like, no, we need like he he doesn't have a problem. He's not looking out for his soldiers. He is upset that Tavor isn't respecting the rules of hierarchy, which is like like he's like, well, the adjunct <laughs> needs the most water and then the fists and then, the you know, the captains and the corporal and it gets lower and lower. And, and it's not like he wasn't looking out for the best interest of his men. He was just trying to, like, follow the rules, which is like so fucking dumb and it makes me hate him again. Um, and like, maybe I'm misreading it and mis misinterpreting, but like that is, he has this whole thing about like, he has that whole thing where he's talking about, you know, hierarchy and like the, the, the wealth, like this is how the world works. The people with privilege and money and stuff 
get more things and the people with less stuff get less things. And then they're immediately like, well, no, you didn't come from money. And he's like, well, I'm mm-hmm. different. And it's yeah. like, dude, you're disproving your own points here and you're just not letting up, which I think is very realistic, to be fair, is like, you know, people aren't going to just change their minds because you point out that they said something wrong. They're going to double down most of the time. Uh, And so that's really frustrating and annoying. Um, So uh, sorry to anybody in the discord who is upset, but uh, fuck Blistig. I do not like him. Thank you. Who who's out here being a Blistig defender? Yeah, AJ, I just want to say, I don't know if I was ever like, oh, I'm a big Blistic fan. Well, somebody, I guess what I mean, somebody in the discord had had said, um, bah, 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 bah. oh, man, it was a bit ago. Quote, I despise him as you're supposed to in reference to Blistig is really interesting, as is the subsequent comparison to Corblo Dom, as my reading of Blistig is completely different. I also challenge the presupposition that Blistig is incompetent. There's no evidence of incompetence in Blistig's actions. We're not actually given enough evidence of his command acumen outside of what he did at Aaron's Garrison command, which was fine. And so we I don't want to get into that on the episode, but that is what that somebody had said. Mm, wrong and bad. What a bold choice <laughs> of this person. <laughs> um, look at Josh. Um, I don't know. I do hear what the person saying. I guess all I meant, AJ. But was... I, I feel like it's a pretty thin argument to be like, well, we can't say they're incompetent. We haven't seen them do enough stuff. Like, <laughs> come on. Like, we're going off the information we have, obviously. Yeah. Well, they've never done anything else because this is a book. Right, that's what I'm saying. It's not like we have, like, a history <laughs> of activity. Anyway, anyway. Pete, what were you saying? Sorry. I don't know. I don't know about what you're saying. But what I'll say is, I don't know if I was trying to say, like, I, I'm i a big ballistic head. Sounds like you are just starting. I just want to say that. All I mean is, I think what I was trying to express before is I think he kind of acts as a foil or, like... um complicating force Mm -hmm. in the second half of this book and this Mm -hmm. book i feel like his motivations are very understandable to me you know and i understand where he's coming from sure you know Um, i I just want to however i do i just wanted to be clear i wasn't pointing out anything you said from the last episode or anything so i any comparisons to things that you may have said totally unintentional (laughs) but i will say this i do agree aj in this section blistic not coming off good not coming off good Um, because like I did. I could understand what he was doing when it wasn't like, oh, well, I just need to follow the rules like a good little boy. Um, And it was like, I'm just trying to do what's best for my men and the people around me. Like, I think that's a much more understandable motivation. And I think where where he ends up is I'm just following the rules. I'm a narc and I'm a little baby bitch. That's how I feel. about Preach. I'm curious to hear how Josh and India feel. I like how when he's like. And the worst thing of all, Tavor's a class traitor. And then she and she's leading it all. And I'm like, sounds cool. Maybe. <laughs> he just he just goes through every fucking excuse he can come up with. He's dumb and bad. And he fucking I tries to like kill pores. He yeah. Ex- and looks, listen, if you told me a third of the book ago that I would be upset that someone tried to stab Pors. Josh, if you told me last s- chapter <laughs> that I would have been yeah. upset that somebody tried to kill Pors, I would have said, right fuck now, you, you're wrong. I would fucking die for one of my I, fellow Marines. I, I, All right? I, Are you kidding me? Yeah. India, what did you make of this conflict with Blistig and this kind of, kind of bringing him out into the open in this way? I don't know. I just think that Blistig is annoying um, and dramatic. And I think that he just he's being a little insubordinate for somebody who's so into the rules. Um, he's not really respecting my girl Tavor that much. Mm-hmm. 
So it just seems like everybody in this book is just such a fucking hypocrite. Like mm. they want everybody else to do the right thing, but not them. Yes. There's always a reason. Yes. And that's why I feel about Blistic. That is like definitely Blistic. hundred percent. I totally agree. And they call him out on as much in, in this section. They're like, mm-hmm. you're a fucking hypocrite. <laughs> I am curious. You guys somewhat mentioned feeling unsatisfied or something like that. I think it was just like, I wanted him to get his, you know, like yeah. I wanted him to, yeah, yeah, to yeah. get the slap on the hand. And it's just like he did. And I don't feel any better about it. You know, like, I think it's just mm-hmm. like when you see someone you don't like very much and then something bad happens to them, you're kind of like, oh, that does kind of suck still. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't feel any better that something bad happened to this person I don't like. I, I, I felt a sense of relief. I feel a sense of relief when. Like it is like what when you're he's kind of laying out his point of view about hierarchy. You're like, okay, so yeah, like your whole like faux rationale like was like all fucking bullshit. Well, that's man. that's part of what like, it is. Like you, you, I, I wanted it to be like I'm just trying to do what's best, and it was just like my he, reasoning is I'm just a shithead, and I'm like I would rather he just not even try and hide it and yeah. say like survival of the fittest, baby. I'm making it out of here regardless of if you are. I would respect that more. Right, the fact that he was Josh, able he to has, like he has more responsibility. The, okay, yeah, he has more responsibility, so he. Needs yeah, water. he's too okay. he's too busy not leading men into battle and letting fucking Kenneb die. Never forget, never forgive. I miss Kenneb. Rest <laughs> uh, in peace. Uh, actually, you know what? Take it back. Fuck Sin. Sin killed Kenneb. Mm. <laughs> She's more at fault than Blitzig. Mm. Um, oh my god, remember Sin? <laughs> barely. <laughs> I do remember yeah. Sin. It's been a while. Okay, we also have to talk about. Just want to say to me. I know it's coming in late. Rereading it again is the surgery aspect <laughs> of this chapter the single best part of the entire book series. You mean for well, me? Oh, potentially. There's no, there's no risk of infection from us. If anything, it's from you. <laughs> Just what? When all of a sudden I'm like, wait, I'm the most engaged I've ever been. When he when he's like, well, my bone hands have nothing living on it, and then we're like, all of a sudden, well, it's like a medical do, procedural. Do, do you remember show. from like Bone Hunters or Reapers Gale or something? There was the guy who like accidentally discovered microbes or something. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. similar to that. Right? It's like, what? Why? What is happening? What are we doing? It's so good. Um, I, very, I very good. That. Yeah. All right, India. Let, let, let's wrap please, this up. You're saying please. the star yell. Yeah, please. Um, yeah, I just um, I liked the Star Yell. Like, well, it started with, yeah, I liked the Star Yell scene. I like when um, who, who I think it was, what's his name, Blistig, who has a temper tantrum <laughs> at everyone. Yeah. That was really great. Um, <laughs> I thought that was funny because they all I feel like look at him like, are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> then fucking who who. Does Banishar is is he a witch? Yeah, he's a, he's a priest. He's the last priest of Drek, the Worm of Autumn. The Worm of Autumn. How the hell does he know that Tavor is supposed to cut her hand and shit's gonna happen? Dr- Drek is powerful and also he's just kind of pretty smart, I guess, is the best he's thing like, I can Jesus, say. He's like Jesus, he made water. Yeah, from, well, it's a gift from the sea god. There's only so many things it probably is going to be. Yeah, that was way back when in the throne room at Letharis, uh, male gives or male gave Tavor that dagger, 
and said, use this when when it's of dire need or something. And I that was in Reaper's Gale or or yeah. whatever. Um, and then it didn't has not been talked about at all, <laughs> at all. And that's a, honestly, I'm glad. Me, and yeah. I was really sitting here like, why now? And then I like it took me a while after reading it to be like, oh, well, they they came and they explained exactly how many days away it would be. And then she had been she must have been like in her head calculating the whole time, like. How many days have we been walking before people started dying? That's how long we have, you know, we got to be that far out before I get this water to make sure that we arrive able to do shit, I guess. Isn't it fun how she just has all these fucking ideas and none of us know them? (laughs) Yeah, it is. You know, that's leaders. Yeah, I prefer when my leaders have lots of plans that involve me and they refuse to tell me any of them. That actually (laughs) really endears me to them. Yeah. Yeah, like you you do all the work. I'll just execute. Yes. All right. Well, um and then there was water. Yeah, I I was I was making dinner and listening to this part of the book and I uh shouted out loud like, "Oh my god," because I realized what was happening yeah. because I miraculously somehow remembered the throne room scene with <laughs> with the the dagger that Mail gave. Um and Can we can we just say again? Another element of symmetry, you know, a parent hurting themselves, being hurt by a, a blade leading to a desert becoming a sea again. Jesus. Well, I mean, not Josh only is, a parent, Josh is a star. Tavor once again Tavor, stabbing yeah, a parent. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, by Tavor's hand, you know, deserts become oceans. Fucking crazy. Sheesh. Yeah, I do love the part where Ruth and Good offhandedly is like, this used to be a basin. Yeah. Um, and then <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, so there's going to be water here. Uh, I love, I, in retrospect, I love that that bit. There's also a really sad part with the snake kids and they don't know what toys are. <laughs> Oh, we don't need to talk about it. It's the saddest thing. Uh, (laughs) It's really good. When they're like, oh, they can play. And they're like, well, they don't know how to play with the (laughs) Yeah. Fucking brutal. Really sad. And they like can't cry. They're like, I mean, like how long have they been fucking walking though? It's like so dramatic. You've never played with a toy. Well, actually, India, that's a really good point. I, Okay. Yeah, I would point. like to. I would like to pause. I'd yeah. like to pause here real quick. And I know. <laughs> I know. I know. Peter doesn't have an answer. And I know the internet's best best answer is, well, time gets a little wonky with Malazan. But India's correct. At best, at worst, what has it been since these kids left? Three months. The, you can <laughs> only go so many days without water. Okay. The Malazans what? at most walked across this desert for what okay. two weeks? Josh, what I would Josh, I'm gonna go on a rant. You let me, Josh. I I don't think I, I think the point is more about trauma. Yeah, and what the kids have experienced. Yeah, I don't think it's like they've never seen like, a toy before. Oh, it's like they don't yeah, know how they, to not been survive since I've seen a toy. Three months of trauma. I'm just saying in general. In general, Agreed. Josh. Yeah, where I think we the kids need have had a, Josh, had a pretty Josh, hard Josh, time. Josh, it's three months of sustained twenty four seven trauma to okay. children. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck are you? <laughs> talking no, I'm just about, saying Josh. in general. Less about that, more about timeline. Now that we know <laughs> the length of this desert, these children have been walking this desert for two books, and the Malazans, you know, are crossing it at like. 
they're done. And I mean, I think this will be in total, what, a three and a half week maximum month long journey. Uh, and I just don't know if, to me, the logistics of the Snakes March makes any sense in retrospect. I mean, they're children. Uh, and I don't, um, they don't have expert navigators or horses. Neither or... do these guys. They're walking, man. Well, I mean, I would say they have expert right, navigators, um, probably. Yeah, but I don't think they have another stuff's working. Only Ruth Ann Good has Indeed. any idea where anything is, and he's pretty quiet about it's it. It's pretty helpful to have an Elder God with you, I would say. Or an, elder, an elder, I god. guess. Sorry. He's, he's, he is explicitly not an Elder God. You're right. He's just unimaginably old. Yeah. Andy, I look forward to talking to you next week. Um, however, um, is there some something you want to share before you end your end this last India hosted episode? You know, I just want to say it's been a good run, having no idea what's been going on for the past four years. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, I've always brought a, a, a childlike curiosity to my to my episodes, <laughs> and I hope you all appreciated it. And if you didn't. I don't give a fuck. And that's it. Signing off. All right. um, No, I have one more thing, actually. Okay. (laughs) When I say come, you say passion. Come! Passion! Hello, everybody. Producer AJ here, wishing that I could open my windows. Quick reminder to subscribe to our YouTube channel if you are not, so you don't miss the stream of The Fallen on July 22nd. Uh, On another note, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. If you'd like to give us your thoughts or feelings about this or any of our episodes, you can always email us 10verybigbooks at gmail.com, tweet us at 10verybigbooks, or you can head on over to our Discord, bit.ly slash Discord. That's capital V, capital B, capital B, capital D, Discord. That link will also be in the show notes. Thank you to all of our wonderful patrons over on Patreon. If you would like to financially support the show, you can head on over to patreon.com slash 10verybigbooks. That link will also be in the show notes. And as always, Thank you so very much to Dan Gesrick for making our spectacular cover art. You can follow him on Twitter at A underscore W underscore Dan G for a fucking see ya. Thank you as well to resident birthday celebrator Scout Wilkinson for the special art she is providing for this season. You can follow her on Twitter at Humble Goat and on coffee at ko-fi.co slash Humble Goat. And of course, the wonderful music in today's episode, including the remixed intro and outro track, is by the one, the only Amaranthin from his album Simulant Rain, which you can find along with his other music on Bandcamp.com. Links to all of their pages will be in the show notes, and 10 very big books will be back in two weeks on June 23rd, talking The Crippled God, chapters 22 and 23. We're in the home stretch, folks. I'll talk to you then, and thank you so much for listening. Well, well, we have fully interactive sex scenes, but the romances of oh my god, stop it, Peter! And all kinds of sex positions and whatnot. Stop it! And whatnot. Wait, what it's in the chat. Don't it was worry a tweet about it. At, somebody tweeted this at a, a game developer. At Cyberpunk Games. Yeah, Cyberpunk 2077. It's my number one question about all games. You know. Yeah. Can you have one night stands in them? I just love that they responded. All the positions know. and whatnot. <laughs> And whatnot yeah. to carries that. that. Uh, so, something, really, someone who's had a lot of sex. sex. I was going to say, all the positions, I think, is really. You know, like positions. All and of whatnot. them. Sex, sex. You know stuff. the positions you do when you're. Yeah. Like doing it. Um, okay. My, my favorite part of sex is talking about what position we're going to do. <laughs>